Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... The point is that fighting against each other is really fighting against God. And this is why we must stand fast. And do you know how vulnerable we are? That two women fighting in the church can bring the place down. That a few people with their opinions who don't know much of what's going on or people who are just working hard and not thinking about the greater goal of the mission can actually bring division into a church. Pastor Jim will teach about a complication that happened in the church of Philippi. We will learn that disagreements always happen. There is always a problem. There are always different opinions. Human tendency is generally to gossip and complain, but the Bible urges us to be united in the same mind, to put others above ourselves, to consider others' priorities higher than ours. Churches will always have problems because they have people. However, The complication of people can be overcome by the grace of God. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of Philippians with part two of his message entitled, Joyful Fighting. I cannot express to you the great joy of watching some of you walk with the Lord. I could never express to you the great joy of watching how some of you are growing stronger and stronger in your faith. The Apostle John said this, 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. You would expect no greater joy than the next promotion at work. No greater joy than I got that car I always wanted, I got that house I always wanted. Know that my children would walk in the truth. And as much as that is a joy, I cannot tell you the great pain when the opposite takes place. When you watch children, when you watch people who seemingly came to faith in your church, when you watch those that you love so much walking away from the Lord. I call this the pastor's slow death. And I never knew how painful it would be. No training can prepare you for it. It just can't. To watch people you love leave and most leave step by step by step. You know, there's a song that I absolutely hate. You know, I, I don't like a lot of that cheesy music that they play in elevators and doctor's offices. And I was in the doctor's office a, a few months ago, a few weeks ago, whenever it was, and the Muzak was on. That way, at least I'm guaranteed to feel terrible when I walk in the doctor's office. I just hate that. And there's this song that I absolutely hated back in the day, and it, you probably know it. It goes something like this. Every time you go away, you take a piece of me with you. The musicians will come forward now while sing that song, right? Um, I hated that song, and I still do. But I tell you, every time another person walks away from our church, 
I don't know how it happens, but I feel like I'm losing a piece of my heart. And I think, my goodness, I know what the pastor feels like. I know what Pastor Paul, the Apostle Paul feels like, and I just can't imagine what it's like for Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? You think it would be all the success that he had, and what does the apostle say? He says, Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Nothing scares me more than to think that some of you might not make it to heaven. Nothing breaks my heart more to think that people could come into our church week after week after week and never really turn to Jesus Christ, never really put their trust in him. It burdens my soul to think that we are live in an area of New Jersey where successful Christian living is now more important to churches than Jesus Christ. It's sad. It's sad. Verse 20 of 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, For you are our glory and joy. That's why the Apostle Paul commands them, stand firm. He says, just picture a father saying, I love you, man, stand firm. Don't give up. Don't give up. Well, we move from a command to a complication. Verse 2, we finally come upon, we've said all throughout this letter, there's been some little behind-the-scenes kind of problem in this church that you can't quite put your finger on. And now in verse 2, he kind of tells us what's going on. He says, I implore, some versions say plead or urge. In fact, let's use that. It's easier to understand it. I plead or urge Yodia, not Yoda, And then he doesn't say, and syntyche, he says, and I implead or urge syntyche, they both get equal billing, to be of the same mind, and here's that expression again, in the Lord. Literally, it means, think the same thing in the Lord, or agree as you should, as is right in the Lord. So here we have two Christian women with two strange names. Not two strange women. And the funny thing is so many people pick on, oh, there's women in the church, look at this stuff going on. If he mentioned the men in the church, our Bibles we'd need a pickup truck to bring to every week. So we have these two women that they're causing some sort of division or some sort of a disagreement in the church And many of you have come from such a place where the disagreements and the divisions are now the focal point of the church. All I can say about here is not on my watch. Not on my watch. Not on my watch is our divisions going to be the focal point of this church. Not on my watch are everybody being happy, healthy, and wise, and everything's good all the time. That's not going to be it either. It's going to be Jesus Christ and him crucified. And at least I can stand before God and say, I told them, I begged them, I pleaded with them, not because I'm so wonderful, because the Bible 
pleaded. And so here they have a disagreement. We're not told what the disagreement is. What does that tell us? That's a clue, Bible students. That's a clue. It's not a doctrinal issue. Because if it was a doctrinal issue, Paul would have said, here's where they're disagreeing, here's who's right, or here's where you're both wrong, here's what it is. Because when it's doctrinal issues, the apostle has no problem saying, drawing the line in the sand, this is it. So it's not a doctrinal issue. We're not told what the issue is. That's not important. What's important is the impact that these kinds of things can have on unity. Unity in a church. Unity in a ministry. Unity in a community group. Now, if you're here and you're a guest, you're thinking, oh, man, there's all kinds of problems in this church. Well, there'll always be problems because we have people. But this is what the text is telling us about problems, how to deal with problems. So that's why we're talking about it. Now, not telling us is pure genius, pure genius, because the disagreements change over the years. Used to be pet doctrines, people arguing about their little pet things, you know? Just, you know, oh my gosh, they're dancing. They're dancing. You know, can pastors dance? Some can, some can't. I can't. I don't. (laughs) If you want to argue about that stuff, they're dancing in the Bible. Well, yeah, that's what they did. Sinners. Other people like, they're not dancing. Sinners. Worship. Worship wars. You ever hear churches have worship wars? It's terrible. There's a worship war going on right now on your favorite Christian radio station. Let me ruin them for you. Notice how many times the word I and me are in all the songs. When a song says I or me more times than the Lord or Jesus, please get it off your iPhone. Dump it. Because it's leading you to believe that Christianity is about who? You. It's not. It's not. The war should not be over the type of music. It should be over the lyrics. What about personal opinions? Personal opinions. They're all over the place, right? Ask 100 Christians for an opinion, you get 1,000 opinions. These days it's common to hear everybody saying what the church should do. You hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. We go on outreach. Oh, the church should do this. Who's the church? Us. We're the church. So every time you say the church should, do you realize you're indicting yourself? Right? Because God gave you that idea, not me. You should do it. And typically, those ideas come from people who don't do very much or who don't come very much. But that's not the case here, as we're going to see. Now, who are these two ladies? Man, I read for hours on who these two ladies were. And let me tell you, nobody knows. I mean, I was trying to figure out who they were. In Acts chapter 16, when the church was founded, it was basically the Apostle Paul found Lydia and a demon-possessed girl in the Philippian jailer and founded a church. What a great group to start with, right? A rich lady, a demon-possessed chick, and a guy who works a a nine-to-five job at the jail. That's what church is supposed to be about. Diversity. Not all the same kind of people coming to our cool church or coming to our old, crusty, cantankerous church. It's not what it's supposed to be. So were these two ladies part of the original founders? Maybe, we don't know. But this is what happens with the scripture twisters. This is what they do. They read into it. Some say, well, these two women were the pastors. It doesn't say that, does it? Those who object say, oh, no, no, they're men. 
Okay, so they're men with chicks' names, all right? <laughs> Some people say, oh, no, it was the pastor and his wife, and they were having marital problems. I mean, come on. These debates take us into all kinds of directions, all kinds of opinions, particularly about men and women in the ministry, which those conversations always crack me up, like there's not enough ministry to do in the church. A church is a tidal wave of ministry. It's a tidal wave. We're always drowning. We go home every day feeling like, gosh, we blew it again, Jesus, sorry. But what happens with scripture twisters? What do they do? They make the Bible say whatever they want. They take the Bible completely out of context. Or now, they just misquote it. They're just throwing their own words in. It's absolutely terrible. But none of this is the point. The point is that fighting against each other is really fighting against the mission. The point is that fighting against each other is really fighting against God. And this is why we must stand fast. And do you know how vulnerable we are? That two women fighting in the church can bring the place down that a few people with their opinions who don't know much of what's going on or people who are just working hard and not thinking about the greater goal of the mission can actually bring division into a church. Isn't it amazing that just a little thing can take us out of the fight? You say, not me. Not me. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. The, here the plea is to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now let's be firm about what that is not. That is not unity at the expense of truth. That is not what the Bible teaches. We don't compromise for things that God says are wrong. Even if we think, well, I don't know why God's all you know, saying it, but it's his world, right? It's his world. The word of God dictates our lives as Christians, and the word of God dictates the practice in the church. But the truth is, is that certain items, certain preferences, certain opinions need to be crucified for the good of the church. But what happens is that human tendency is just to gossip and complain, right? Or to quit. Oh, I'm just going to go to the other church down the street. You will end up a very, very weak Christian and deceived. No, the Lord tells us to crucify those things. <laughs> it's very interesting that, uh, you know, Paul tells us to crucify our flesh. Kill it. We are to be murderers of our own flesh. Turn back with me to chapter 2. Let's read verses 1 through 4, which we covered already in another sermon. Before giving us the great example of Jesus, listen to what he says. He says, therefore, verse 1, chapter 2, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Verse three, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And so here the apostle is pointing us all in the same direction. What is he saying when he says stand fast? What is he talking about these two ladies? He's saying live out, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Live out the priorities of the word of God. Live out the priorities of the cross of Christ. Live out the priorities of the good news of the gospel. He's telling us it's more important to put the needs of others before our own agenda. And I think in a very nice way, he's saying to us, sometimes we just have to drop it. We just have to drop it. There's always going to be something wrong. Trust me, I know more things wrong with this church than all of you put together. Trust me. But you know what? My opinion and our opinion has to die. It has to be crucified to the word of God. Churches will always have problems because churches hopefully will always have people. But the complication of people can be overcome by the grace of God. Number three, we move from a command, stand fast, stay firm, don't quit, hang in there, to a complication, people, people, to a companion, number three. Verse three, and I urge you also, true companion. Well, if you want to waste another three hours, I could give you some books to read on who's the true companion. We don't know. Perhaps the person who's reading the letter Perhaps the person who received the letter could be Epaphroditus, could be any, people say it's Paul's wife, if he even had a wife. We don't know. Bible students, you may want to note that sometimes the person is not named because it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, you have the unnamed servant. This could be the unnamed servant or certainly operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. Some of your versions say they contended with me side by side. What were these two women at one time doing with him? Fighting with him for the gospel. He says, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers and note this, whose names are in the book of life. And so here, the Apostle Paul calls for a mediator, presumably a leader in the Philippian church, someone he considers to be a true companion to step in and help these women. Remember back in chapter 1, verse 27, he said, stand fast in one spirit. So he's telling this person, this companion, this mediator, he says, help these women stand fast in one spirit. But notice what the Apostle Paul stresses here. He didn't stress what the disagreement was, did he? He stresses there was a time when these two women were joyfully fighting together in the gospel. They were joyfully, side by side, excited about what the Lord was doing. But now, for whatever reason, if they were there from the beginning, maybe 10 years of doing church, they were beginning to get a little lukewarm. They were becoming a little bit nominal. They didn't have the fire that they once had before. 
So here the apostle says, we need to get those women back to that place. Friend, let me challenge you. Today, how was your fire for the Lord? Is it burning the way it was 10 years ago? Is it burning more than it was 10 years ago? Five years ago? One year ago? Three weeks ago? And maybe today you need to return to that place of standing fast, of joyfully fighting for the gospel. Paul saying to the church, these two women were on the front lines. Maybe they were still sitting there in the church. Maybe they had left. They were so upset. They were so hurt. They were once evangelizing with the apostle Paul. They were once bringing people to church, but they weren't anymore because now they were only coming every other week. Now they were only coming once a month. Or now there was fighting in the church. There was tension. And they were no longer fighting for the good of the gospel. One one time, they were serving the church wholeheartedly. At one time, they were objecting. Why am I not on the schedule every week? Now they're saying, why am I on the schedule at all? Losing the fire. No longer burning for the things of God. And friend, we must pray for such people because I have learned this, that those who serve hard on the front lines for a long time for Jesus Christ are exposed to problems and trouble and things that the uncommitted and half-hearted Christian never will be. And it is very difficult. It really teaches you that you need the Lord more than you ever dreamed or more than you ever imagined. But friends, notice this. When we stop fighting side by side, we quickly lose our focus on the mission, don't we? And then it becomes easy to start fighting with one another. When we stop laboring alongside with our brothers and sisters, it becomes easy to become independent, doesn't it? It becomes easy to become a cowboy Christian of which there is no such thing in the Bible. It becomes easy to start to become critical. And eventually, you drop out. All the while, you're blaming someone else. I say this with all love. If that's you, you are being deceived. You think that you're right and the devil is laughing because he's got you just where he wants you. Critical, compromising, and nominal. And not only does he want to do that with you, he wants you to take others with you. And maybe some of us are there or maybe some of us have friends and we need to say, you know what, man, this is just not right. I love you, man. We once fought side by side. I want you to come back to my side to continue to fight. Not I'm going to go to your side to be nominal. I want you back on my side so we can fight. Those who harbor ill feelings 
will in time lose their ministry. And here's the thing, loved ones. We lose our ministry long before we lose our ministry. We lose our effect for the kingdom of God long before someone takes it away or we realize we're there. And possibly even, not only will they lose their ministry, they'll lose their souls. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love Radio, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. We are excited that you joined us today, and we hope and pray that you will join us again next time as we continue to learn more about Jesus verse by verse in the book of Philippians. If you would like a copy of today's message on CD, simply contact us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills at 973-659-3380. Keep in mind that we need today's date to ensure you get the copy of the correct teaching. You can also write us at Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or send an email to info at changedbyloveradio.com. Don't worry if you haven't been able to write that information down. Simply log on to www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find all the information to listen to this message again or receive your own copy. You can also give securely to help Changed by Love Radio share the good news of Jesus Christ. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Philippians. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time here on Changed by Love.